Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. This is Stephen Moe, and you're listening to Seeds Talking Purpose. Today we're going to be speaking with Joanna Pigeon, who is the president of the Auckland District Law Society, and she's had an amazing career as a lawyer, but she's also been a working mother and involved with a number of different charities and other things in the community. Here's an excerpt from the interview with her. One thing that I've learned, you know, it's easy to find reasons not to do things, but, mm. but really... If someone approaches you about something, they obviously see you can do it. Take mm. the opportunity. So it's about having belief in yourself and what's That's capable. right. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Fake it until you make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because people often don't realise that other people might be feeling nervous or not confident right. about things and, and that you know you just need to square your shoulders off and, and, and do it. You can yep. do it. Raise your hand. That's right. I'm here. Yeah. That's right. Mm. On the next episode, we're going to be speaking with Amy Marston, who's one of the co-founders of Te Mapua, and they run camps and activities for children who might not get the opportunity to participate in them otherwise. We have an amazing conversation because we talk not just about children, but also about parents and what parents can do to reinforce positive messages for their children. Also, this is now the 24th episode that's been uploaded in the series of podcasts, so maybe check out some of the earlier ones if you enjoy what you hear today. Now let's get into the interview with Joanna. So I'm pleased to welcome Joanna Pigeon, who's the president of the Auckland District Law Society and also the principal at Pigeon Law. Um, it's great to have you here in Christchurch. I think you're here just for today, right? That's right. And um, we, yeah, we're having a function tonight and then flying, flying back home later this evening. Yeah. Oh, that's good. What we try to do on this podcast is talk about purpose and people's lives and tell their stories. Um, and what I like to do at the beginning of every interview is just go back to the beginning of your life and understand a bit more of the context of where you're from. And then later on, we'll talk about what you're doing now and try to trace some threads, perhaps, <laughs> through the life. Sure. Um, so do you mind just telling us a bit of background about where you grew up? So I grew up on the North Shore in Auckland. Um, was born in a small hospital there. I was the second of six children, the eldest daughter. My father was a lawyer, Colin Pigeon, who became a QC, and he was also the president of the Auckland District Law Society. So oh, yeah. I think we may be the first um, parent-child, definitely first father-daughter combination, which is quite a nice thing to have. So we grew up in, I guess, um, baby boomer expansion of the North Shore. There's a whole lot of new housing and everything going up, and it was a pretty carefree childhood really you know you go out and play on the street and come home around dinner time which is very different from how we bring up our children now playing in the neighborhood and my family were involved in a lot of things um, we went to the local church we were involved in brownies scouts um, speech and drama ballet I used to play the piano and the violin a lot of activities, um, so we were doing a lot of things, six kids going all over the place. Yeah, and what was that like being one of six? Being one of the older children and the eldest daughter, that actually involved quite a lot helping around the home. So my father worked and my mother wanted to have six children and 
her main role was was bringing caring for us. Um, and so I would have to do a lot of chores around the house, as did all my siblings, but I think probably a little bit more of the responsibility of that fell on me. And like my youngest sibling is 10 years younger than me, and I used to feel sort of quite maternal. Now that we're both adults, it's much more of a sibling relationship, but you know, you'd have to get them dressed and feed them and do those sorts of things while, while my mother was with my sisters at their ballet lessons. So, right. so it was, yeah, pretty busy. So you learned a lot of skills right from the beginning of your life. That's right, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> How to multitask. So if we were washing the dishes, you'd also be testing a sibling on the, doing their spelling at the mm. same time. There wasn't much time for um, mucking around. But then, of course, in the weekend and, the, and in the holidays, you'd have freedom to go and play in Rome. So mm. it, was, it was a great childhood, really. Mm. And, and, and just tell me, because you became a lawyer yes. and your father was a lawyer, there's obviously a connection there. Do you, do you mind describing what you observed as a child um, in terms of having a, a figure in your sure. life like that? So over dinner, we always used to have dinner as a family whenever we could. Occasionally someone would have a late practice and have dinner, dinner yeah. sort of waiting for them. But Dad would always have great work stories and he was involved in a lot of interesting cases which were quite prominent in, in New Zealand, like the wine box. Um, he was um, involved yeah, in a lot of high-profile things so he would talk about them mm. over dinner. And he, he never sort of said, be a lawyer, this is a great career to have, but we saw that he enjoyed what he was doing and, in fact... Four out of the six children all did law degrees. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> whether, whether that was good or bad, <laughs> it certainly had an influence on us. And we, we used to say we were all at the bar one way or another because my other two sisters were ballet dancers. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was he had a had a strong influence yeah, on us. Quite a profound influence yes, there. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And he. So was that? Uh, did you know then? at an early age that you wanted to pursue law or was it something yes, that was... Yes, it's something that oh, okay. I always wanted to do. Yeah. I originally wanted to be a litigator and that was one of the reasons why I did speech and drama mm. and debating at school and university and mm. um, oratory competitions at university. Mm. And my dad said, well, if you want to be a litigator, the best thing to actually do is to work in general practice, doing a little bit of litigation, but actually... Mm. understand what it's like to actually do legal transactions and then if you go to litigate them you will actually understand them a lot better than if you just go straight right into get the foundations and, and understand how contracts work and that that's type right of thing. yeah that's right oh, interesting well just before we get into that and your career what was what were you like as a high school student how would you describe yourself well, I commuted from Tor Bay to the other side of the Harbour Bridge to school, so I used to spend three hours a day on the bus. Wow. So that was a lot of travelling, so I'd read on the bus. So I always loved reading, and so all ec my extracurricular activities, like hockey and that sort of thing, <laughs> that involved me catching the bus even further out to play, play my games. So I think I was studious. It was... Uh, Harder to play with friends after school once I went long distance um, to school because they weren't weren't nearby mm. and, and you'd be basically travelling to and from school. But I was very um, interested in, in 
doing well at school, achieving, need to get the grades to get into law school and so on. So I was always a motivated student, Mm -hmm. wanting to do well. And I think, not that my parents were tough on me in terms of expectations, but I think I would have hated for my dad to say that he was disappointed in me or he thought I could have done better. So uh, without him saying that... I sort of held him in high esteem and the standards that he had had attained right. and, and also held myself mm. to those high standards. Mm. We had an amazing example to be following That's in the right. footsteps. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, with all the siblings, it becomes quite competitive as well. Like right. you want to beat the sibling that went before you in terms of their marks and, and bursary and scholarship and that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess that's right. It was a bigger family. There's a lot of, uh, as as the kids grow up, there's probably a lot of competition, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Where did you go to university? Stayed in Auckland. Mm-hmm. So Auckland-born, bred, educated all the way through. And I got very involved in the Auckland University Debating Club. I became president of that, mm-hmm. doing all the tournaments up and down the country. So you met a lot of fantastic students that you met with each holidays as mm-hmm. year, years went by debating. And I managed to travel overseas with debating too to a tournament, which was a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah, I just did a straight law degree. I didn't even do a conjoint degree, which right. now you everyone seems to do conjoints. Do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to get it done as quickly as possible. Don't waste time. Just, <laughs> no, just I just want to do law. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, it's good if you know what you want to do. You might as well, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. And what happened next once you'd finished at university? So I summer clerked at Simpson Greeson in Wellington, which was which was a great summer. I wanted to go back and work in Auckland, but there wasn't an Auckland role for me to go back to. Mm-hmm. So I got a job with Peter Newfield, who was a sole practitioner, which was a great three years, really, in terms of doing everything, mm-hmm. um, from doing the trust account to entries, buying and selling property, businesses, doing a bit of litigation, junioring for, for barristers. Just a great experience, just sort of being thrown in there. So it gave you it. that experience that your father had said you should Exactly, get. because yeah. at that stage I was still wanting to be a litigator. Mm-hmm. And then I got contacted by Simpson Greeson but to go into the commercial property team, so I had to make a decision as to whether or not I wanted to keep on that litigation path or whether I change tack and I looked at I enjoyed litigation I enjoyed you know assembling your arguments your case and Mm. and putting it but I felt that in the end I really enjoy working with people Mm. and helping them do things and with litigation even if you're successful they really hope that they never have to see you or use you again (laughs) (laughs) even if it's gone well whereas in transactional work you start acting for clients, you have repeat business and you build a great relationship with them. Mm. So that was what led me to mm. pursue the property and field. What, and in terms of people and realising that that's what you wanted, you wanted to deal with people, was that a growing realisation or did it happen at some point that you can point to and say, actually... It was sitting well, down like, do and analysing, mm. uh, I've been given this opportunity... Mm. I need to take the next step in my career. What will that next step be? Mm-hmm. And what are the things that I most enjoy doing in terms of my 
my role as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. It, it was that that approach which led me to analyse exactly what I was wanting to do. Mm. And that was in Auckland as well? That's right, yep. that's right. Yep. There's a trend here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I, I worked and became a senior associate in the commercial property team mm-hmm. and had a, had a great time there doing good work, great people. And then I got approached by Hesketh Henry to come over and join them. And my dad had been a partner at Hesketh and Richmond, which was one of the founding firms mm-hmm. pre-merger. So there was another nice piece of symmetry there. But I felt I'd at least achieved on my own rather than you know, necessarily following right. completely in my father's footsteps. Mm-hmm. And obviously in a different area of law too, so... So I was being approached for, for me and what I did rather than... Mm. What, what was that like, um, I guess, growing up with a father who was well-known and involved in these cases and things? There's certainly a benefit because he is well-regarded, mm. so you get that sort of glow, I guess, in terms of he's, he's a great lawyer, decent person, you must be too. So there's definitely that that sort of advantage in terms of having a bit of name recognition and people people I guess having their impression of him part form their impression of you and, and what what you're doing but it's also something that you feel you, you know you need to live up to that right. that name as well so yeah you you which isn't a negative because mm. I mean you want to hold yourself to a to a higher standard but um yeah, you don't have quite the anonymity that you might have otherwise mm. if you're just your average yeah, yeah. solicitor without out family contacts. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And and you, were, you so you were working there in Auckland. Did you ever have any temptation to go overseas or go to another part of the country, or has Auckland always been the place? So I summer clerked in Wellington. So okay. I did have a, a summer out of Auckland. You'd seen it. Yeah. I I got to the stage where my colleagues were heading overseas and I'd started to build up a practice and I decided I didn't want to walk away from that practice. Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep building on that. So I have travelled but I've just never worked Mm -hmm. elsewhere. So what happened next in terms of your... So I moved to Hesketh Henry and became a partner there in the commercial property team and I was there for nine years. And I had my two daughters Mm -hmm. while I was working there. And towards the end of my time there, my my younger daughter was about 15 months. I got approached again by a couple of headhunters to go back to sort of top-tier firms again. And you start looking at your practice and how much do you think you can bring with you if you move. And my husband, who as an accountant by, by background, said to me, well, if you think you can build that, mm. why would you want to go to a big firm? Why don't you open your own firm? And it was like, I'd never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> because going to a big firm again, yes, you do more money, but you would also have a lot more pressure, a lot more expectation. Mm. You've got young children and... So there might be more balance as well, life. That's right. In terms of uh, 
because I think we're actually hardest on ourselves as, as working parents. Of course, you can go and watch your kids sport or attend an assembly, but you sometimes feel like you always need to skulk around, particularly when you know how early you used to go to work and how late you used to work to. Mm, mm. You you have an expectation of other people's expectations of you. Right. So I think we can be quite tough on ourselves. But I made the decision really within a couple of weeks. Wow. And, and we just did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. In the middle of the GFC. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Was there a particular moment when you looked at each other and said, this is the right decision? Or, or did it sort of build and then it just made sense to do it? Phil suggested it. And then I thought about it for probably a day or two weighing up all the pros and cons, and I, I just thought, yes, mm-hmm. I, I, can, I can do this. And I think when I look at all my experience, even working back with Peter in Newfield, doing the trust accounting, mm. being in a small place where you, you had to actually do a lot of those tasks, made me feel that much more confident that I could operate a trust account, I could could do all these other things. Whereas if I'd always been in a bigger place where other people had done all that for me, mm. I don't know if I would have Maybe felt it would have been harder so brave. to step out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because some of the people that I interview, they've started their own businesses or, you know, doing things that are different from their first half of life or different careers and things. And I always find it interesting to ask them, was there a moment when you had that belief, you know? Because um, I always, it's interesting to think about what leads up to that point. Like, what yeah. is it that means that you think, yes, I can do this? Well, I think some of the other things that made me think about the the freedom of doing it was in terms of some of my pro bono boards and directorships, because mm. you can be freer with your time and how you choose to spend it mm. rather than being fully accountable to the expectations of a big firm. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we talk about that for a little bit in terms of um, you you wanted to get involved in other things then? So I'd already been on the board of the Salwin Foundation, which is the biggest not-for-profit rest home and retirement care provider, which had actually been founded by my great-uncle, Canon Caswell. And they have a big site at Point Chevalier, sites all over the... North Island from sort of Waikato North. My firm had, had traditionally always had uh, provided the lawyer <laughs> on on the board, mm. and, and when the role came up, I was the the natural appointee, mm. especially with the family family yeah. connection. Mm. So I did that for eight years, and that was with the support of Hesketh Henry, mm. my firm, at that time. But there is a a pressure on time, particularly when you are a working parent, mm. budget and yeah. these other things. So having my own firm did did make me think I, I can have more freedom in terms of exactly how I spend my time. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And at that point when you started, um, yeah, when you started out like this, did you know what else you were going to get involved in or did it just no. come along naturally? <laughs> <laughs> yes, in the end, it, it's usually been other people 
pointing, you know, tapping me on the shoulder. So, mm. like, in terms of Auckland District Law Society, mm-hmm. Nola Danjan, who used to be on the council, she used to ring me up every year and say, you should stand for the council, Joanna. <laughs> <laughs> and it would always be, oh, just a bit busy at the moment. Yeah, and right. then my, my eight years came to an end for the Sawan Foundation. And when she rang, I said, well, actually, I do have, have a slot now. Wow. I, could, I could stand. That's persistence. Yeah. She kept, she kept going. <laughs> so so I, I stood for that. And that, and that was quite a, a – it felt like a brave thing to do because yeah. your, your voting numbers get published. Sure. <laughs> and you never know <laughs> how much support you will get. So yeah. you, are, you do feel like you're putting your head above the parapet. Yeah, a bit vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But fortunately, <laughs> I did get elected. Yeah, yeah. So when, when was that? Was that? Uh, um, that must be about four or five years ago. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Well, I want to talk about the the law society in a in a mm. well, Auckland District Law Society in a minute. But just thinking through the other things that you're involved in, can you give and us a little bit another, of? And then another another board opportunity which came after my time at Selwyn was Auckland City Mission. Okay. So, each city. Main City has their own mission. So there's Auckland, there's Wellington, and there's Christchurch. And Auckland has had a dilapidated, earthquake-prone site. And for 10 years now, they've been trying to redevelop it. And just before the GFC hit, there was this big mission in the city that they were planning to build, which was just a bit too grand and a bit too expensive. And then with the GFC trying to get donations to to build it. Yeah. 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 So I got approached to go on that board with my property background to sort of be the property lawyer on the board Mm. and to look at spearheading the redevelopment of the site Mm. in a a way that that would be manageable and achievable Mm. in terms of fundraising. Mm. Oh, that's and, good. and what sort of things is this, the city mission involved in in Auckland? It's quite diverse. People think of the homeless, mm. and we obviously do go out and and physically go out each morning mm. and and connect with with the homeless mm. in the, in the CBD. We also have a drop in centre where people can have meals, cups of coffee. We have workshops where people do carving and art and drama and actually connect and, and start to form community. Mm. We have a detox centre, which is one of only two detox centres in Auckland, where we do detox. We have a medical centre, which provides for clients and, and anyone can, can can go and see it, but... If you're homeless, you probably exhibit system symptoms, you know, 20 years beyond your actual mm. age life, and usually have quite a lot of complicated conditions. So, say if you're diabetic, well, if you're living on the street, you can't keep your medicine in a fridge, mm. <laughs> and it might be hard to actually administer it. So, so that health centre mm-hmm. is really important. We do crisis care, we do food parcels, we also have a food distribution centre where we distribute to, I think, about around 45 food banks over the greater Auckland area. So we get donations from big corporates and small, and then we feed it out, not just for our direct clients, but to other food banks. Mm. 
So it's a real diverse well. range of activities, isn't it? It's it like is. A, yeah. But one of the changes that we're looking to implement is actually get into providing some housing. Right. So with the redevelopment of our site, we just don't want to replicate the services that we've already providing. We're actually looking to build the first common ground form of housing in New Zealand. So there's common ground housing in New York and in Australia. And you provide not just housing, but wraparound services for, for people in there to try and help them rebuild their lives. And half of it would be hardcore street homeless people. The other half are still on the social high needs housing register, mm. but they might be working as well. So you aren't creating a ghetto, you're, you're creating a bit of diversity, even though they're all people who, who have high housing needs. Mm. So what are some of the services that would be wrapped up in that package? So you have a 24-hour concierge on the door, mm-hmm. two people, security and, and providing sort of tenant services. Yep. So that should stop drug dealers from getting into the units and that sort of thing. Learning how to shop, how to cook. Right. All, all these basic things that we take for granted. Mm. Yeah, so so for example, we're, we're doing a joint venture with LifeWise Housing First, which is just putting people in housing first and then providing wraparound services. Mm. The average age, length of time that the people who are being housed there have been on the street is 22 years each. So wow. you think the, the difference yeah. in, in skills from surviving on the street mm-hmm. to, to surviving and thriving in, in a home are huge. Mm. You, you're basically almost starting from mm. zero and, and changing the expectation of getting through the day to having you know longer-term mm-hmm. views and goals. And, and trying to break the cycle, which has maybe kept them where they are. That's right. Mm. That's right. And... You know, Probably about ninety percent of of our um, clients would have mental health and or addiction issues. So, right. so you know, the complicated needs. Yeah, and so that hasn't been done here in New Zealand before. But no, you, you said it's been done in other yes. other places in the world. Yes. Yeah. And the Brisbane Common Ground Housing Project. They've actually done a university study, mm-hmm. and looking at the cost of providing housing and the wraparound services, they still think they save 13000 per person mm. compared with when they're paying for hospital stays, ambulance, police call-outs, all those costs on society. So mm. so it's you know proved to be a great success. Yeah. And from an ownership model or housing model, how would that work? Is it... Uh, yeah, who who is it that owns the facility, for example? So, so the Auckland City Mission owns owns the building, mm-hmm. and we entering into a contract with MSD. Yeah, they're providing some funding towards construction, and also um, they're part funding the concierge. Mm-hmm. But we are looking to get more funding for the wraparound um, services as well. Mm. But so people move in there. And that is theirs, you know, they could be there 
for as long as they want. It's right. not transitional or temporary housing. Sure. But usually maybe about a third move on mm. within a year or two mm. um, just because they've got their lives more on track and, mm. and might want to move to a bigger place with a partner or... Yeah, and ultimately that's your goal, isn't it, to reintegrate into the ability to that, live that's outside right. of that context. That's right. Yeah. But some people might be there mm. for, to, to the end of their days because they yep. are such complicated yep. um, needs and conditions that mm. they have, they might not be able to, to move on to independent housing, and that, that's fine too. Mm. Mm. And how many units are you looking to? 80. 80, wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Just while we're talking about it, if people want to connect on that or they want to be involved in some way, um, maybe what we can do is put a link to the website or information in the show notes. That would be great. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but if they did want to just Google it, what would they... What would they type in to learn more? So Auckland City Mission, yep. um, if they Google that. So although people know it's happening, mm. we, we haven't gone full on with the public fundraising. We're, mm. we're j- trying to hit up the big philanthropists in that at the moment sure. and before we go. But <laughs> obviously we're, we, are, we are welcome <laughs> for any support that if we If someone can get. came forward, then you wouldn't say no. We would say not no. say no. <laughs> Oh, that's good. And um, so we were talking about some of the different things that you're involved in. And the, one of the things I love about talking with you, because we've spoken before, is just the variety of things that you're involved in, you know, because you're also running a legal practice at the same time as these other activities. So I want to talk about that. But just before we get into that, just what other activities are you involved in? <laughs> it's a wide well question. i um try to support my my kids with their with their activities mm-hmm. we we're lucky enough to have the same nanny for eleven years mm-hmm. um who's almost like a grandmother mm-hmm. to my daughters so she usually does the after school pickups and afternoon activities but i'm my older daughter lizzie's class rep and i'm managing her junior water polo team because i sort of feel i can easily send an email during the week mm-hmm. and in the weekend i'll be there to watch games so that's how i try to to you know show my support and i also manage my younger daughter's mini mini polo team right yeah. and, and coach the soccer team yeah. so i try to be hands-on as much as I can with their activities and that's showing that although I'm working during the week you know I still want to support their things yeah and I joined last year the committee of the Auckland speech and drama competitions but ended up being president and almost single-handedly running our competitions so there were 600 children performing speech and drama wow over a weekend with two adjudicators and again, my daughters do speech and drama, as I did when right, I was a kid. Right, yeah, there's an echo there from so, your own yeah. experience, yes. <laughs> so it's one of those things, if you want your kids to be able to do these things, you've actually got to put mm. your shoulder to the wheel and actually help them help them happen. And I think as we're all busy, mm. uh, those volunteers are sort of becoming fewer and fewer. Fewer and fewer, yeah. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, you're working as well, right? That's and, right. And do you have a particular focus in your legal practice? So my practice is mainly transactional and advisory, mm-hmm. property being the number one thing that we do. Mm-hmm. We also do commercial work, asset planning, banking and finance as well, but we don't do any litigation. Mm-hmm. 
I do a bit of expert opinion work. We do quite a lot of unit title mm-hmm. work as a as sort of an area of specialisation that we've developed and I've uh, been one of the cheerleaders to abolish cross leases. <laughs> okay, yep. <laughs> so I've done a bit of advocacy on on that issue over, over the years. Mm. Yeah. And, and just thinking... Um, I think for anyone who's listening who's a lawyer, we all know, you know, because I'm a lawyer as well, quite often it's talked about, but we we see lots of women entering the profession, but not necessarily making it to the partner level. Um, Do you have any thoughts about that and just where we're at uh, and what the future may hold? It's it's a very it's a very difficult issue because you know while every firm's different, they're probably quite quite similar as well. And I think, like for male partners, it's often hard to talk about it without without being seen to be being un-PC or, or, or something. But like I found when I went back to work after having my children, when you're a partner, no one gives you a pat on the back and says, well, oh, you're doing a great job, you know, working and, yeah. and, and doing, doing the juggle. So I think... Sometimes you can feel, uh, yeah, it would just be nice to to have more positive affirmation, actually to be clearer and to talk about things. So in my firm, one of my senior lawyers, she's had two children while she's worked with me and she's about to become a partner. I don't know whether it's because I've been a working mother myself, we've been able to talk and deal with things quite directly and in terms of expectations. And I think some people, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're on the track, you're on the track. Right. Well, what do I need to, what do I need to do to get there? Because the carrot can be dangled at times without, without having concrete, concrete things. And I know it's difficult because sometimes it might be, mm. depending on how the firm is going, whether someone else leaves, whether a gap's created. You know, there can be a whole lot of issues mm-hmm. that, that you know, come into play when it comes to, to promoting mm-hmm. and, and supporting people through. But... I think you you need to be clear about what what you want, and I think I think as as lawyers, build your own client base. You know, mm-hmm. make sure that you are creating have, options for yourself. Yeah, have that foundation. That's that, that that's you can right. Then have those open conversations. That's and, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I think you need to lean in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sit at the table. Stick up for yourself. Um, not always be junior. You know, if you can be senior counsel, take the opportunities mm. that are presented. And I think that's one thing that I've learned. You know, it's easy to find reasons not to do things, but mm. but really, if someone approaches you about something, they obviously see you can do it. Take mm. the opportunity. Mm. So it's about having belief in yourself and what's. That's capable. right. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Fake it until you make it. <laughs> yeah, because people often don't realise that other people might be feeling nervous or not confident right. about things and, and that, you know, you just need to square your shoulders off and, and, and do it. You can yep. do it. Raise your hand. That's right. I'm here. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Yeah. 
And would you have any advice? Uh, I guess I like to ask this question just for your younger self, but maybe talking to yourself when you're first starting your career um, as a lawyer, um, is there anything that you wish that you'd known back then, having been a working mum and a partner and all these other things? Well, I think if I was doing with my law degree now, I'd probably try and do something like law and computer sciences. <laughs> not, <laughs> not that I'm not that I'm like necessarily computer minded, but mm. you, you look at how things are changing within the legal profession with technology yeah. and the rest of it. And I look at my daughters at school; they're being taught how to code, three D print, mm. and do all sorts of things that we never had the opportunity to do when when we were younger. Mm. I think looking at positioning yourself to deal with, with the challenges that we will be facing. Mm. I, I might be thinking about doing that <laughs> with maybe a couple of arts papers thrown yeah. in. Yeah. I, I guess I have been really single-minded in, in how I've approached my career, but mm. I think we're also seeing that you can have several different careers and that you mm. don't necessarily have to be that exclusive yeah to, to yeah one, one thing yeah but I mean I that certainly got me where I, I am so I don't mm. I don't regret that in no. any way but it's and just having been a bit more open to yeah. other things yeah yeah but talking with you you know we can I think what you're saying is even as a child you kind of were thinking I'll be a lawyer one day like it was quite a you knew quite early on mm. didn't you so that's kind of given you a focus and a, probably a drive to, to work to, towards that yeah that's to work right. towards it yeah 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 um, yeah, that's good. And how about um, just the working mum aspect? Because I'm, I'm sure there's people listening. I, I just like to get to glean as much information as I yeah. can from the guest in terms of maybe there's somebody listening who's going, oh, please ask her, how does she, how has she done it with kids and career and all these things? So, I think one of the biggest things that you face is when, when do you have children? And I don't think there's a right time. And you wait too long, and and you might have fertility issues. Mm. So I don't th- I don't think that there's a perfect time for for having children. Mm. I think you've just got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think different different people take different amount of time off. Um, I I took four months off when I had had each child and. Mm. May have been on the BlackBerry as it was then, <laughs> some of that time sure. <laughs> while I was on on maternity leave. But the one of the one of the ways I dealt with it was by getting a nanny, mm-hmm. and so she has run, run our household. Mm-hmm. She's like my wife, <laughs> <laughs> so she helps out with with everything. Right. And if the kids are sick at school, we're not fighting over who's got the least important meeting to go yeah, and pick sure. them up. or So that's t- taken a huge amount of pressure off us. Yeah. So even you know, getting to pick the kids up from daycare, get the shopping, get dinner on, mm. we just don't have that same mm. battle. Mm. One of the other more unusual things that we've done in the last year mm. was um, buy another floor in the building where my law firm is and convert it to a beautiful apartment. So I have a 10-second commute to work now. Oh, right. (laughs) Wow. And my daughters on the school holidays bring down baking for morning tea for the firm. I see. Yeah, so it's a family thing. Yeah, (laughs) and my my husband's my practice manager. So Uh I've been... You've integrated really lucky your life and integrate, with your yeah, career. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. And and if I have to go out to a function, I can pop up and see them 
before I go rather right. than just not backing at home until they're in bed. Yeah. So you've looked for ways, I, what I'm hearing is you've looked for ways to consciously build into your children's lives and be present for them. Yes, yeah. th- that's right. Because yeah. yeah. I think that, uh, as you know, I, I used to work in a large international firm and, and did quite long hours and what have you. <laughs> and mm. I think there can be a temptation that as a lawyer, you just keep working, you work harder, you get more billables. And, um, and sometimes the in the end of our life, what's important may not have as much focus as it should. And I think children, you know, to to be able to read to them at night and, and be present with them on the weekend and really be part of their lives is such an important part of, you know. And then that's re- really why, <laughs> one of the main reasons why we're here. Yeah. And if you're not connected with them, when they get older, they probably won't want to be spending much time with well, you either. Right. You know, yeah. you've got to form those bonds. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I've found out by talking to other women is is keeping your options over with the way that you're practicing, so that you can maybe go to the bar if you're a litigator and mm-hmm. the flexibility of that. But you need to make sure that you've worked out. You know your your length of time. You need to keep your practicing certificate, right? And everything, so that you can actually transition mm. into into a, a different, different role. So I think, aspect yeah. Of, so yeah. I think, I think for you know, before women go on maternity leave, they need to at least be aware of mm. of the rules around that, mm. because some people have found it a real problem in terms of actually. Yeah, rejoining the profession in, in a way that they they want to, if they haven't had enough recent legal experience, sure. yeah. they don't meet the criteria to be able to practice on their own account. Yeah, yeah. So just checking checking out those things. Yeah. But it, yeah, people are talking about it. It's an issue mm. on on it's everyone's. On the radar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, but that's, that's I, I positive. It, Even that we could have this conversation, and I could feel mm, comfortable enough to ask you these questions, yeah. and you would feel comfortable answering. You know, at least it's a conversation that's happening, and hopefully, people are listening are then thinking things through for themselves as well. So, yeah, a, a lot of women seem to go into in-house, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether that's because companies are used to dealing with these issues better than. Mm. Than law firms or not, yeah. but the w- one of the issues is <laughs> while we still bill on time, mm. <laughs> when you don't have as much time, how do you how do you make it work? Mm. But it, but in the end, I, d- I don't see why you can't have part time partners or yeah. you know other flexible ways of yeah. dealing with these things because yeah. m- most women I know are really committed to their careers, but mm-hmm. they're also committed to their families and mm-hmm. and you know a lot of dads like dropping their kids off at school or spending time you know coaching coaching their sports teams as well it's yeah. it's an issue for all, all parents I think yeah. it is yeah yeah I've, I've got four young kids so mm. it's a constant thinking through of drop-offs and pickups and and who can go to this or that so I, I agree but I, I feel I, I'm really happy that we can have these conversations mm. anyway because at least that's a start and I'd I'd love to see a profession like the law be able to be truly reflective of society. Yes. No, not just at the well, not just at 
sort of the graduate intake mm. level, but also throughout right up to the partnership. And, and you know, frankly, right now it's not representative. So mm. is there mm. things that we can do and conversations we can have that would help to move that forward? Because mm. the diversity of any group is what gives it strength, I think, mm. and, and you have different voices. So. And, and not, not just women, but diversity yeah. in other well, areas as well. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, is something yep. that we need Different. to keep on the radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. It's a, we went quite deep there, but <laughs> I hope that the listeners can, even if they're not in the law, that they'll be able to take something from it for whatever profession or job or area that they're working. And in. And I think you know, talk to people, mm, mm. do your research, ha- ask people how they handled it because people mm. are people are very different. And I think. Like I'm a member of Auckland Women Lawyers Association. Um, you know, there are lots of women there. Mm. Just, just reach out and yeah. Pe- well, probably people, people are, happy to are share. willing, and they're probably willing to act in mentor type roles, Absolutely. aren't they? Like because they would recognize themselves in that twenty yeah. two year old who's just graduated or whatever, and Absolutely. be willing to talk. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, can we talk a little bit about Auckland District Law Society? Sure. And um, I guess just how you came to be president there and what the decision was to to go for that but then also what what's what's it doing <laughs> what's it in, what's what's it doing right now and what's maybe some plans for the future so nola tapped me on the shoulder and i stood stood for council mm. and i was on council for a year just as an ordinary council member and then there was a change of president brian king got elected president and the councillors elected me as vice president so I was vice president mm-hmm. for three years. Right. And although it's not a given, <laughs> I, I did think I would like to stand for for yep. president. And in the end, no one stood against me. So so I was yep. elected unopposed. And so you, you were involved for a number of years before you actually yeah, went well, one for year it. So you saw what you were, yeah, yeah, three you saw what you were getting into then. <laughs> it's never quite like actually being there. Right. <laughs> Even as a vice president, where sometimes yeah. you sort of step in the shoes of or, sure. or are a sounding board for the president, it's, it's never quite like actually being in the hot seat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what is it like? <laughs> I, I really enjoy it mm-hmm. because you're, you're there connecting with other people in the profession, advocating in the, in the public uh, mm-hmm. about issues that you, that you care about. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we find with the profession is we don't have master's lists, we don't have personal settlements, so it's very easy <coughs> to get disconnected with people. So collegiality is, is a really big issue. Mm. So we try to organise events so that people can can connect. Yep. We have, I think it's about 16 committees of, of volunteers and, and special mm. practice areas mm. who who work and and advocate and do all sorts of things so property law employment health and safety right. trust law you know all, all those different sorts of areas we do a lot of cpd and one of the big things that we're dealing with at the moment is anti-money laundering and cft mm-hmm. so helping get people with get ready with practical advice with the one july deadline looming ahead mm-hmm one of our other big f- things that we have are, are documents and precedents. So we 
you know, draft the sale and purchase agreement and yeah. deed into release and, and so on. Them. I was just looking at one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've used all the time. Yeah. 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 So next year we're looking to update mm. the the agreement for sale and purchase with the new land transfer act being passed mm. and, and just going to continue to be abreast of case law and, and developments, things that can be done to refine refine the agreement. Mm. And do you, um, I guess within your committees or whatever, do you talk a lot at that level about disruption and the future in terms of technology and how it may affect the legal profession? Is that So we have a technology committee mm-hmm. and Judge Harvey chairs that, who, who's teaches a um, paper, I think, at um, Auckland University on, on technology as well. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of work in that area, and they publish once or twice a year a special law news dealing dealing with technology. Mm-hmm. But it is something that, as a council, we're sort of aware of as well. Mm-hmm. We just held um, last week a Young Lawyers in Technology mm evening in Auckland um, with, with Minter Allison and that looked at a whole lot of different different technology mm-hmm. issues yep. from practising law and you know how, how the way that we do law is going to change they're talking about Bitcoin and how that works and blockchain yeah. and yeah. All, all sorts of things so because from my perspective I see lots of discussion about it and lots of articles written lots of heat <laughs> mm. lots of talk but the reality of it hasn't yet hit necessarily. I think it's it's going. I I'm one of the ones who thinks it is going to come, and it is it will affect mm. how lawyers operate, like mm. many professions, like mm. it's affected accountants. Mm. But um, it will just be interesting to see how it actually plays out. That that's right, and yeah. um, we don't know how how it's going to work. The, the, some jobs will be lost because some of the um, mundane things like discovery and, and they're already. Uh, changing but in the end I think it will be people working with computers rather than um, mm. computers doing all the work and I think I think we're pretty good at seeing what other opportunities there are yeah I was just actually talking in the weekend with my brother-in-law and his, his father's a graphic artist and and when computerization of graphics came in you know, everyone thought oh, we won't have any more graphic artists, right. it'll all be done. But then everyone needed a website, everyone needed, you know, so actually graphic art has yeah. exploded compared with what it is. It didn't kill it off. No, <laughs> so yeah. I, th- I think there will always be lawyers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and as hard as it is to fill out all these FATCA forms and and residential land withholding tax forms, I, I still think clients will need us to to help them. Mm-hmm. and And often... When you are dealing with a problem, you are wanting to talk to a person and, and you're wanting mm-hmm. that empathy as well as that knowledge well, as part, right. of the, yeah. part of the process. Yeah, it's the soft skills and the, um, not just the things written on yeah. the piece of paper that are important. Isn't it? But I think rather than the pyramid mm. shape of the profession, it, w- it will become probably more, more, more vertical, with, mm. which pro- may mean fewer jobs for... Mm for younger lawyers because it will become mm. 
Yeah, my, my personal、pleasure. hope is that we can get rid of some of the tasks that I don't enjoy doing、yes. anyway. <laughs> I'm all for that. <laughs> get rid of some of the admin type of, you know, template filling yeah, in type yeah, things yeah. and be able to focus on when the client comes and you can say, well, what, is your, what are your objectives here?、Mm. Let's forget about the detail of the words. I want to、mm. understand your business and then I want to actually help you to achieve the goals that you're、yeah. after. And, you know, that's like the top. Like、and that's the bit that we really enjoy、that's、about、it. our work. Yeah, yeah, it's much more enjoyable. Not、yeah. filling in the address、exactly. <laughs> five times、yeah. in a document. Copy paste. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's good. So、um, the term, the word purpose is one that I talk about on this podcast. What does that word mean for you and, and your life and what you're doing now? One of my purposes is to, is to be a good role model for my daughters.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, I think it's not just. You know, talking the talk about walking the yeah. walk. Like you'd seen with your father, right? That's right.、Yeah. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. So I think、uh, that that is one of my purposes. And another of my purposes is being a lawyer is a privilege, and with it, I think, comes a responsibility and an、mm-hmm. obligation to give back.、Mm-hmm. And. With some of my board work and other stuff, I think it's made me a better lawyer、mm. because you're often sitting in a client's position、mm. <laughs> rather than as a lawyer, you might be running a business and you're actually getting more over the issues that your clients are concerned about when they're、yeah. running their, their businesses to、yeah. actually understand. You have more empathy, probably. That's right. Yeah. That's right.、Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's been a real pleasure to have you here, Joanna. I really appreciate your time. And, you know, I know you've got, after this interview, you're off to a function down in town. So thank you for taking the time to come and, and have a chat. And I really just enjoyed hearing about, you know, your childhood and your sense of purpose, even back then, that you wanted to be a lawyer and then studying it, becoming a lawyer, and how that career has played out. But then the thing that really Fascinates me is how you've juggled <laughs> and, and, you know, having kids and being on boards and things. And, and I think that's something that hopefully listeners can, can take something from for their own lives. So, really appreciate your time today. Thanks. It was fun. <laughs> well, as a lawyer myself, I really enjoyed interviewing Joanna and hearing her perspective as a woman who's risen in the profession and done extremely well. It was great to hear what she had to say. And I'm sure a lot of you listening would be able to apply some of the principles. Whether you're in the law or in a different work environment altogether. Also, I just wanted to say if you enjoyed this interview with Joanna, you might want to check back in the archives because the third episode was with Netta Egos, who's also a lawyer, and she has had an amazing career as well. And she talks a lot in that interview about purpose and being involved in social enterprises as a lawyer. So you might want to check that one out. On the next episode, we're going to be speaking with Amy Marston, who's one of the co founders of Te Mapua, which is a group operating in Christchurch focusing on children. It translates literally as the precious children, and we talk a lot about children, but also about parents and what it is that they can do to help their children grow up in a positive environment. We also talk a lot about what Amy's Maori culture means to her, and that includes terms like whanau. Here's an excerpt from the interview with Amy. Fano、um, is more than just the people around you. It's the feeling that you bring to each other, and it's the fanongatanga, the relationships that make your life tick and that input into you. And so I think growing up in my Fano, there was definitely a sense that whoever was around that, that kitchen table, around that dinner table, was 
for that time part of us and important to us and we all gave way for their needs as, as best we could and that's a great lesson to learn I think as a preteen as well because you're not naturally wired that way um, and I remember having some struggles in those in those years sort of needing to give way to some of my preferences <laughs> and embrace the needs of the others around me um, but a very good learning learning you know sort of experience for us. As well as that upcoming episode with Amy, there's a whole bunch of other people that I've lined up and actually recorded already. So I'll keep releasing these episodes on a weekly basis, and I hope you enjoy them. And if you have enjoyed this one, then maybe listen back to some of the others, because there's a real diverse range of voices. Until next time.